welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Right, there we go. Hello, welcome to episode 431 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Edward Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm doing very, very well. I am uh, a happy man because um, we finally got our van delivered. Yeah. Uh, have we, and, have we uh, let viewers know? I think we might have uh, last last time out last week. I think we it, might have just arrived, I think. Oh, right. Yeah, because it arrived on the Tuesday morning. So, we, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've had a week yeah. now to, to, to learn to live with it. Have you had any little niggles early on or any issues or is it all plain safe? No, no, no. Just, just learning about how to use all the different bits. And we've been doing things like taking, um, you know, Aunt Nanny Pam and LTV out for afternoon tea, um, that kind of thing. Um and uh, the weekend after next, I think we're going to actually try going away on it for the first time. Marvellous. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'll keep my eye on your Instagram. But yeah, I've got a, a lot going on. I've got this event on Sunday, the Summer Cycle, so I'm full steam ahead for yeah. that. But once, once that's done, I'll come round. Or we could we could meet up somewhere um, and record, couldn't we, from uh, from the comfort yeah. of the van? Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be that'd wicked. Be good. Pick a pick a nice spot to record from. Yeah, yeah I'll bring the, I'll bring a camera along and we'll uh, record because yeah, I think I think literally we haven't done a face to face. We have seen each other through lockdown a few times and yeah, um, knocked on doors, but we we haven't actually recorded a podcast in person for whatever I don't know what eighteen months something not like that. Yeah, gotta be gotta be something. <clears throat> well, I've got COVID throat today. It happens uh, every few weeks where I get the the chest thing. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I keep reading things about lesions on your chest and and you know your lung tissue and all that kind of stuff. Oh right, okay. Well, um, it's kind of a health focus episode today. We're talking about food and mood because we kind of, despite yeah. the heat wave that we're going through right now, this little mini heat wave that's, that's struck at the end of summer. Well, it's not summer; it's autumn now, and we're getting into the nights are getting shorter, and people's relationship with food changes at this time of year. Um, you know, in good ways and and potentially. Uh, ways that can damage your health so uh, uh, we're going to talk about that today liveinthepresence.co.uk for all the show notes and links as ever um, sign up to the mailing list and you get some free meditation files sent to you and you'll get weekly alerts for the show as well um, so yeah food and mood Sean we, I think we do kind of talk about this about this time of year every year but do you want to give us a quick well, recap on, on, on where, it, why it's, it's important it, it's, it's double relevant this year um, uh, one of the things I was, I was saying earlier on before we came on air was being out in the van and parking up having breakfast or tea by the beach and then watching people running because I go running anyway um, but I'm amazed at how much weight people have put on um, and I think you were looking at it, that we're an average of, of half a stone or something like that but a lot of people yeah. that I've been working with that I know have been putting on stones i mean as in two three stone of weight the carry um and that's this time of year before we go into winter now every winter the majority of people put on weight anyway because our mobility goes down and our calories go up we start eating stodgy food we start eating the the pies and the puddings and and all that kind of stuff 
Um, and uh, maybe we're hunkered down by the fire watching telly because it's too cold to go outside. So people naturally will put on weight, but they normally would be coming into the winter with a nice slim body because they've been out doing stuff in the summer and they're not. They, we're now moving in. So I, I'm expecting a kind of a weight crisis um, in lots of people by the spring. So wow. people are going to be coming out of the winter, going into the spring and they're going to be big. You know, wow. so it, it's like we we do need to, to to pay attention to it and become aware of it, and maybe in the winter do it consciously and not do what we would normally do. All right, yeah. just just another list, just another point to add to the list of crises we're going through at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's interesting because if you look at the COVID-related stuff, we look at it directly from a, a physical health point of view. The two things that I see is the kind of social dislocation that we were talking about last time of, of groups breaking down because they're not mixing um, and, and some of it because it's, it's like, you know, if you're not jab, we're not going to have you kind of stuff. Um, but the other bit is, is the, the, the implications of weight when you're talking about, you know, a couple of stone over time is huge. We're talking about knees and hips. We're talking about, you know, down, down the road. We're talking about diabetes. We're talking about heart um yeah all those things and the knock-on from from covid could be much bigger in things that aren't covid directly but they're covid related yeah yeah a good a good friend of mine is a uh, orthopedic surgeon and he does yeah hips and knees and stuff and I, I did a website for him some of his colleagues years and years ago and i remember go, i went to a meeting once to kind of get to know them and understand things a bit more and uh actually sat through like a presentation that once someone was giving about it and it was amazing how often uh the issues of, of weight and diet came up in a, in a meeting amongst orthopedic surgeons because all the all the patients that they deal with or a big proportion of them were you know yeah it was it was to do with inactivity and, and diet and diabetes over you know over many many years you know it's not something that happens mm. and that, i guess for a lot of us not just diets but any kind of health effect and mental health uh condition mm. just builds up doesn't it and little by little and before you know it um yeah things things have got on top of you but uh yeah um yeah i mean food and mood in autumn it's it's kind of weird talking about this now because if yeah it's kind of like 25 degrees at the moment that's <laughs> like that um but you know I'm a, I'm a slender guy and i always have been partly through metabolism i'm sure and also just partly through uh habits that I've built up it'd be interesting to know what you know which which was uh, more important my brother actually is a is carries a bit more weight than me and it's just from this you know he's obviously from the same mother and father so uh yeah it's not all just because I'm always cycling around I'm sure but uh at this time of year you know it's yeah as the nights draw in and things get a bit cooler it's you know we do spend more time indoors and throughout history humans have always you know stored food for the winter and eaten different types of food when it gets colder right yeah lots of potatoes stored lots of stodgy stuff puddings all that kind of stuff it was always like the suet puddings when i was a kid um but it's, it's that kind of stuff it's the stodgy stuff which is highly calorific but the thing is it's the carb issue so we know the issue about it goes dark the level of serotonin in your brain drops and if you eat carbs, then your brain secretes serotonin so that you replace it. Um, so you're self-medicating with the carbohydrates. Um, you just said about 
it wasn't just you going around on your bike that burned the calories, but maybe you going on going around on the bike actually built the level of um, endorphins in your brain so that you didn't need to eat the carbs. People crave carbs when the, when the serotonin is low. So if you have been physically active, then your serotonin levels are going to be higher anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, that's just something I kind of feel without doing any scientific studies, you know, my commute to and from the office when I was doing it a bit more regularly, you know, I could, after lunch at the office, I would never get any work done really between like one o'clock and three o'clock before I head home. Just, you know, just, bleh, just, but then after my little ride home, which took 25 minutes, half an hour, uh, I would kind of get back home and feel refreshed and recharged. Now, we are all able to build those routines into our lives, aren't we? It's, it, it takes energy and effort and kind of that just to get the habit built, really. Um, yeah. But it's not impossible, is it? No, no. And it's like what you were just saying then about you know your ride home. The amount of times the kids would say to me, can we go swimming? Can we go? And I'm thinking, oh, God, I don't want to go swimming. And I, and I had that kind of thing. And then they dragged me out to go swimming. And then when I come back, I'm all kind of because the serotonin's come up. Yeah. You know, the endorphins are flowing in the brain. I'm feeling good. Yeah. And then afterwards, you think, why didn't I do that anyway? And it's so easy because if it's not the kid saying, come on, come on, then I don't do it, you know, um, unless you've got the willpower. So my thing is I go running, but I only run if I get out of bed and go and run. I have to get out of bed, clothes on, glass of water, run. If I don't do that, it doesn't happen because everything else gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Or I allow everything to get in the way, maybe. You know. Yeah. Um, you talk early on in your blog post about, um, well, diet and food, and you talk about eating the, the, the kind of weird act of eating animals, um, which we've built up. And I'm a, I'm a meat eater, not massively. I've cut back quite a bit, but still, you know, I haven't, I haven't been able to, cut the like kind of that law of a sausage butty or a bacon sandwich or you know chucking a bit of chorizo into, into some pasta just for that little salty hit mm-hmm. um but i mean our, the habit of eating and what we eat um is is it's hard to ignore so i mean it's, it's easy to say oh yeah we should all be vegetarian or vegan even but as i've found with other environmental things which it's hard to change those habits so what's your relationship with food sean and how's it because you're a vegetarian aren't you well i'm i'm veggie with a bit of fish basically um the um uh i i steer away from the kind of four-legged meat thing um and that's for two reasons one is because i used to have a farm and i did it and decided I didn't really want to be involved in that. Uh, and, but the other thing um, is, the, is the health issues. I mean, when you look at the bowel cancers that are around and you look at the meat eating, and it's like, mm. and I know quite a few surgeons who won't eat red meat anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the people that are working at the, at the cold phase, as it were. They're working with the real effects of. Um, uh, and, and, I mean, lots of... Um, uh, Lots, lots of oncology staff don't eat me don't eat red mm. meat yeah. talk so, to me talk to me about the carb cycle again that's something in the blog post you mentioned I, you know i guess i am a bit of a carb fiend pasta and pasta is like my go-to like <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm a pasta man. 
Yeah. So can some people's bodies take more carbs and process them easier than, than others? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you're looking at different blood types, really. And it's worth looking at, if you're interested in discovering your own diet, a, a different blood type diet. So there is an O, an A, a B, and an AB diet. Um, and things are different, like the an O blood type has much stronger stomach acid than others. So what they is going to be different. The, the carb cycle is basically that... Um, someone is feeling down could be for whatever reason they stub their toe or whatever they're feeling down so they start hitting the carbohydrates and when they hit the carbohydrates they put on weight and but then when they put on weight they start to feel down because they put on weight so they eat more carbohydrates because each time they eat the carbohydrates the brain is is releasing the serotonin making them feel better so comfort food is comfort food that's what it does now when you eat the pasta that you're eating then, uh, yeah, you're going to be producing serotonin. Now, lots of people would say, but you shouldn't be eating that amount of pasta because um, the carb turns into sugar, which can create diabetes and all that kind of stuff. You get those kind of arguments going on. But one of the things for me is I go to Italy quite a lot, and it's quite hard to see fat Italian people. Like the Mediterranean diet doesn't create big people. Um, and the majority of Italians, as I see them, are in the slim range, you know. Um, at any age, really. Yeah. yeah, I'll try and remember to link to some research about like the blue the blue zones of planet Earth where people yeah eat food that's kind of local to their region and and manage to live like extraordinary long lives. Um, yeah, yeah, and for sure, I mean, I'll, I'll try and find some research as well on on the actual stats on Italian diet and and health. Um, but for sure, you know, when I've been you know to parts of Europe. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I remember I've been to Chamonix a few times, twice, sorry, uh, to do a bit of climbing over the years. It's been a while now, but uh, I mean, I just remember sitting in in Chamonix in the, in the town centre, just sitting off for half an hour and just watching people go by. And uh, yeah, slowly starting to realise the shape of people that that were walking around and realising that you, I, I guess you you attract a certain type of person that, that likes to go walking and hiking and skiing and climbing mm. and all that kind of stuff which obviously yeah so yeah. Mm. Um, again we don't want to we don't want to kind of fat shame people as well do they and i guess if you're on that journey from from being of a certain weight um one of the things you can do is is to build your strength and your muscle and muscle weighs more than fat um from memory and so just just going by weight alone isn't necessarily a, a good yeah. measurement on, on its own is it no, you need to go by shape. So I, I don't weigh myself. I would do it every now and again. But um, over the lockdowns, I put on about a stone and a half. Um, and uh, I've started running again and doing stuff. And um, I've gone down three holes on my belt. So I know that my waist is getting smaller. Um, but, but the thing is that my weight may not be that much different because... If you're turning fat into muscle, because muscle tissue is denser than fat tissue, you may appear to have a static weight, but your body shape is changing. Um, so I am losing the gut here, and um, uh, hopefully I will be nice and lithe before we go too far into the winter, because I don't want to do that and then put the weight back on. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it's it's such an amazing uh, kind of fascinating field. And I, I guess usually when we talk about food in episodes and diet, we we kind of add have a disclaimer in because people have different metabolisms, like you say, and different blood types. Yeah. And what works for someone for one person might not work for the other. So I have a I have a bit of a weird morning routine which I discovered and started by accident when I when I started taking the kids to school. So. Uh, right. I don't. I tend not to have any breakfast most days because, and it partly it's, it started by accident because I was in such a mad rush getting two boys ready for school that I, I wouldn't have time to feed myself or, or you know I would stay in bed too late and then I would not have enough time. So you know it's just a, a weird kind of character trait of mine. Um, but yeah, I stopped. I stopped having breakfast and I, so I don't eat between and I won't eat then till lunchtime. So I'll have coffee in the morning and then I won't eat till half 11-ish when, I, when I'm pretty hungry and I'll have my lunch then mm. and then I'll be ready for tea or dinner with the lads the fam- we eat as a family usually about half five-ish mm. um, so I tend not to eat between the hours of 6pm and through to 11 midday the next day so it's this, this big chunk of time where I'm fasting in some ways but if you look at the research into things like 5-2 diet that um uh, that fasting time between when you last eat and when you eat again has a dynamic effect on your metabolism. Mm. So that being able to fast for uh, a reasonable period of time is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, again, I found it by accident and I started hearing about things called intermittent intermittent fasting, um, yeah. which um, I'll link to in the show notes. So again, you know, just with a disclaimer, this we're all different and, you know, you might need to do a bit of research and, um, yeah. but there is a lot of science around intermittent fasting throughout the day and, mm. you know, or at weekends. And I think that, yeah, you get yeah. into like the five, two diet stuff, which mm. I'm a bit, I'm a bit skeptical about diets that don't last, aren't going to be lasting the rest of your life. Because I just think that knowing, knowing how humans work and their psychology, that a diet will be good for a few months, maybe, maybe it'll get you in shape for your holiday or your there's some kind of performance or uh, event that you've got coming up, a wedding. But then once it's done, you you kind of back to old old habits. Whereas for me, my 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 diet and routine is set in stone pretty much every day, except for if I'm on holiday or something. Um, yeah. I don't eat till eleven eleven thirty every day, and I'll have my meal at six p.m. and then I'm done. So yeah, and it work and it works. So yeah, I'm not yeah. a big fan of of diets to be honest. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, I, I think that, that we have to become the expert in ourselves and learn about how our systems are working. Um, there are lots of, um, of different, uh, mainly religious sects, that over the years have had a day fasting a week, that kind of thing, you know, a Friday or a Thursday or whatever. Um, and uh, th- there are some benefits to doing that. Um, the... Um, it's quite interesting when you speak to Western nutritionists or dietitians, because when, when the, you look at fasting issues with them, uh, they use phrases like, that's insulting your metabolism. Um, but I think it's a case of you have to work with your metabolism. And for some people, fasting works well, for others not. But there is evidence that if you don't eat after kind of six or seven o'clock at night, and then you don't eat again, for like 12 hours at least, then you're, you, you're going to burn more calories. You, you, your body clicks into a different kind of mode of working. And in the 5-2, if you, on those two days, you bring your, 
your calorie intake right down, then your your body clicks into a different mode and starts burning fat. Yeah. You know, so there there is a, a lot of research around it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I've never really thought about it, but I guess for me, my my fasting period is like uh, 16, 17 hours a day from like six pm at night through till eleven, twelve the next the next day. Yeah. So I mean, it's like I say, I haven't read up too much on it. It feels right for my body and my body. I am really hungry come midday. Um, mm. In fact, I didn't have any breakfast today, and it's it's quarter to one now, so it's a bit longer for me today. <laughs> so once we're done on the podcast, I'll uh, I'll go and raid the fridge. To be honest, but yeah, it, it feels right for me. My, I'm a bit of a freak of nature, really. I'm, I'm I hover around nine stone for so I'm mm. I'm just coming up to forty years of, of age, so. Uh, that's, mm. I appreciate that that's, you know, way below average. And uh, I don't think I'm kind of unnaturally, uh, like, of a low weight. Um, but, you, you know, you, I hover. You don't look anorexic. No, but, I mean, I hover I hover between kind of eight stone, ten, up to kind of nine stone, three or four. You know, I haven't got scales at home, but whenever we go to the in-laws or my parents, I'll just, I'll just have a quick look just because I'm interested. And uh, mm. that's generally... I hover so I guess as a percentage you know of body weight I can go up and down I don't know five percent but you know if I weighed 14 stone or 15 stone then five percent of that weight is is a lot more isn't it so uh yeah yeah it's all relative eh? yeah and for most people the way your metabolism works is that in your mid-30s people start to gain weight they used to call it the middle-aged spread um and and it's because your metabolism slows down um, in, in that kind of calorie burning sense. And um, that's when, I mean, we had the, the big spike in the creation of gyms and all that kind of stuff. And the majority of people that were using those when they all opened were in their 30s. So people were trying to deal with that issue. But I mean, because you're quite an active person anyway, and you, you probably have quite a, quite a high metabolic rate, you know, relative to other people, then then... Uh, for you, it's, it's not so difficult. But also having that fasting period is going to make a dynamic effect. I mean, what, the reason I put a lot of weight on was uh, during COVID, I was quite often working until 8 o'clock, maybe even 9 o'clock at night, and then going eating the food and then going to bed, yeah. which is the worst thing that you can do because the calories are just going straight into fat when you, you go to, to sleep on, on your food like that. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a... I have kind of strange thoughts on this stuff, uh, on how we, on our, how active we are in our lives. And it's kind of come about through accident, through my kind of walking and cycling campaigning and stuff and thinking about wider impacts of like the built environment and how our lives are shaped by the, how our streets work and how we get around and how busy our lives are in terms of getting to work, getting to see friends and family at the weekends, having to buzz kids here, there and everywhere. So I, I've quite, I've, I, I'm not your average cycling campaigner because I don't just think about the infrastructure needed to enable safe cycling, you know, bike lanes and mm -hmm. space on our roads. I think I try and think of it holistically in terms of how our lives are shaped um, yeah. and, and run. So yeah, I, I see, I see gyms. I think I've mentioned this in the past, but I see gyms and kind of sports centers as uh, a kind of a negative kind of externality of lives that are out of control in terms of busyness. And so as weird as it sounds, I don't think gyms are healthy. <laughs> I, I see them as kind of a, 
a knock-on effect of an unhealthy um, public realm and an unhealthy um, kind of set of lives that we live in terms of yeah busyness and, and work. So I, I appreciate yeah, that. I, I, I do. I know. I do get what you mean. And, you know what I mean. And I think there's there's a lot of merits in what you're saying. Yeah, I, mean, I used to go. I used to be a, a member of a gym at university. I used to pump the weights and uh, and right up until when I was a, before I was a dad, I was a member of a gym locally, and it was just a habit and a routine that I, you know I quite enjoyed it. And I went with a friend, so we kind of it was a good social time. So I appreciate that's a big part of mm-hmm. physical exercise. It's kind of meeting our friends and and taking part in in community activity. So I don't disregard that, uh, but. I stopped going to the gym because I had kids and I was too busy and I didn't want to have that extra pressure to kind of get to the gym and back three times a week. Um, yeah. when I was, you know, trying to get home from and do work and, you know, get kids to bed and all that stuff. So again, I yeah. found it out by accident. So I, I'm, I'm, I, if I'm upsetting or offending anyone, then I, you know, it's not that, you know, again, I found all this stuff out just through accident and it's just my, it's just my weird kind of thinking, but I think, yeah, yeah, you do need to go to the gym potentially and it can help. But I think there are wider psychological issues beyond all this stuff um, that we need to think through. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, d- I do think that, um, uh, uh, I, and I do understand what you mean about the gyms. I would say that if someone is trying to break through uh, a weight issue, sometimes spending some time at the gym is good because they intensively burn calories. And one of the things that you find um, is, because you said it earlier on, is that to burn fat, you've got to have muscle. And if you haven't got muscle, you can't burn the fat. And if you haven't got the muscle, you feel like you haven't got the energy to burn the fat. And going to the gym and starting with this, with a small kind of weights regime can start to build the muscle to help you to burn the fat. So it's that kind of thing. But I, I, I think that if if the gym becomes a lifestyle, so, so you can do lots of things that are kind of negative, but mm-hmm. then you justify it because I go to the gym which is makes it positive. I get all that stuff and that's real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people as well that have a gym membership and don't go very often. <laughs> I've seen this. Well, I, I had a gym membership and it turned out to be the most expensive toilet that I'd ever paid for. Because <laughs> that was, that was why I popped in there usually because you go to the loo. Yeah. So yeah, I would just, I would just encourage people listening to kind of not, you know, just to think, think about wider issues in terms of, yeah. Okay. So you, you might need to get healthy. You might think that the gym is the only answer. And it might it might help, and obviously, the, yeah, it can help with loneliness as well in terms of being surrounded by people and getting involved in clubs where you're taking part with in activities with other people, and that stuff's all amazing. But I don't I don't think I kind of don't like the idea that you have to pay thirty quid a month for for that kind of privilege. You know, it, it kind of signals to me that there are deeper issues that can be solved in other ways without kind of you know loading it onto David Lloyd or Sports Direct or whatever. You know the the name says on the on the direct debit <laughs> yes there are other gyms that you can use <laughs> there are and you just just lastly then before we sum up i think we should talk about our relationship to food in terms of how we cook and how we spend uh how much time we spend preparing food because we're you know we're live in the present is the name of our website and, and um there's, there's a bit of a disconnect isn't there in terms of our relationship to food which, which you touch on in the blog in terms of how we, we eat animal flesh without really thinking about how it got there and any potential suffering that was involved in putting it there because it's so quick and easy, and I do it. Um, we, we, we've lost that connection between the, the, the food on our plates and it entering our bodies, haven't we? 
I, I just think that if you were in a restaurant and someone brought a lamb in and said, okay, guys, this is for tea. Who's going to bang it on the head? Everybody would freak out about how cruel you were. But there's actually no difference as to who bangs it on the head. I think that, that's one relevant thing. I think the other thing in terms of, of cooking is that um, when you cook food, you have an awareness of what's gone into it. And especially if you make your own sauces rather than get them out of a jar. Um, you have an awareness of what you're putting in, so you know about your sugars and your salts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, and I mean the, the to me the the worst place in the world to be is to be in takeaway city. You know, it's, it's okay having an Indian or a Chinese every now and again, but when you're a regular user, it's really not doing a lot of good for your body on lots of levels, cardiovascular, neuro, neurological, all kinds of stuff. Not working well. Yeah. So, but I, I think that when you cook and you take time, you're actually preparing your body to eat the food. You know, so like, is the food a pleasurable experience, or is food fuel that you grab from a takeaway on the way from here to there? You know, what's yeah. it about? You know, and so I, I think cooking is quite an important skill that we're losing. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's fascinating all that stuff. And I mean, we had some, uh, I had some family around at the weekend sit in the garden um and we've got a pizza oven a wood-fired pizza oven a little mini mini one you can get one pizza at a time in there and um everyone loves it when they come around and you and i need to get you've got a pizza oven and we you and i need to get together with our families to uh because it's like such an involving process we, we kind of we made the dough beforehand obviously so that was that's something that i enjoyed doing and it's making the dough and then leaving it obviously the 24 hours to kind of do its work, its magic is, is brilliant. But then when people come around and obviously everyone loves making their own pizzas in terms of putting the, uh, the tomato on and then the cheese and then whatever it is they want to sprinkle on top. And then the, on top of that, which you don't always get with a regular pizza when you just put it in an electric oven, cooking it like on a wood fired pizza oven is amazing. Cause I, I, I did the, I did the wood firing and that's quite an involving process as you know, in terms of, getting it up to temperature and having that window of like proper mm. raging heat to, to really cook mm. it properly. It, it's just an amazing thing to do with, with people. You don't have to do that. You can get the same from, I don't know, barbecue or other forms of outdoor cooking or indoor cooking. Yeah. But there's something about the kind of social aspect of that that's amazing as well, isn't it? Yeah. People that break bread together, you know, it's that it's being, it's a social emotional thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the other half of, of the, the kind of COVID effect. We, we need to rebuild our social networks. Um, and the eating is good. And the, the pizzas are good carbs, which through the winter are good for your mental well-being. But you have to keep the exercise as well. Yeah. You know, you keep it going. Yeah. You'll have to get a little portable pizza oven for your, uh, your van to take around with you. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Start selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that is on my list, actually. I would like my, my dream thing to do maybe is to have a, a cargo bike um, with a wood-fired pizza oven that I can take around and sell sell pizzas by the slice or by the because uh, have, have you noticed in uh, Liverpool there's a coffee bike? Yeah, I've seen quite a few of those doing it actually around of various yeah. sizes and shapes. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, really cool. So is, is that working on the same kind of base vehicle that you've got with the Right. Probably not. No, I mean those ones tend to be trikes, so they have two wheels at the front um, and a really much bigger platform that you can right. 
you can put anything on create you know so you can stack anything yeah. you want but yeah one of the things is is a, kind of a food stall so yeah, yeah. interesting love it um what's your what's your resource of the week sean um there, there's a, a series of books there, there was an original book which seems to be out of print these days called you are what you eat so but there are several are what you eat books out there um and the the connection that i put in here is to um uh, a, a, there's a series of you are what you eat that uh, comes up on the on the bbc which is quite an interesting um thing to go through um youtube and and the beeb i think is on cool um, but it, uh, it's good yeah but i've sent the link up there to that yeah um yeah i'm gonna i was gonna give a shout out to the summer cycle but we kind of we're getting close to capacity to be honest so if you can come along on sunday do but yeah uh don't drive don't bring my advice yeah, <laughs> my mate. Obviously, it's a cycling event, so my main stress point is uh, is parking provision. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, do a little search for it. So it starts at Clare House this year. But I'm going to link to something called Bokashi composting, which is a method that I'm just going to start playing with myself. But it's I've been interested in kind of compost, uh, getting into a bit more about growing your own stuff, and I've learned about Bokashi composting, which is an odorless indoor composting you can do with food waste um yeah. and there's various kits you can you can purchase online um which make it dead easy so it's it's indoor composting and it creates amazing compost in no time at all and it's uh yeah it's worth looking at because again i think it's just that kind of you know obviously we need to cut down on food waste in general but um, there are scraps that will always be there yeah. that can that can be used they don't have to go in the bin and get incinerated they can be used to make more food or make more you know plants and trees who knows what yeah I, I was reading a thing recently about how the victorians have this trick where they used composting that creates heat to grow pineapples because the heat of the compost under glass frames they could um, grow the pineapples and it was it was the heat of the compost that enabled it to to happen it's nice. clever Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think it's just all about that living the present and that mindfulness about knowing what, what your food is capable of. It's not yet. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. keeps us going, but also it can keep other things going as well. Can't it? It's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Cool. Uh, cheers, Sean. All done. I think okay. we'll be back next week for more and I'll, I'll see you soon. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Keep smiling. Thanks everybody. <laughs> see you later. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye.